Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, he's young, he's healthy, and soon he's fighting for his life. And I called 911 and... It just kind of all snowballed from there. Family, friends, and the law want an explanation. Not something that happens every day. We think somebody must be to blame. And the blame comes down with devastating consequences. The problem wasn't the evidence in this case. The forensic evidence in this case was solid. Todd Summer had long wanted to serve his country, so straight out of high school, he signed up with the Marines. There was four guys in his graduating class that joined the military. There was a couple of them that didn't make it through boot camp, and there was a couple that did. He was one of them. Todd's first posting was at Camp Lejeune in North Carolina. While there, the 23-year-old met Cindy Peace, a 28-year-old divorced mother of three young children. What followed was a whirlwind romance. It was love at first sight when we first met. We met and six months later, we decided to get married. Soon, Cindy was pregnant and Todd was reassigned to a Marine air base outside of San Diego. In February of 2002, Todd returned home from a routine training mission with what looked like a run-of-the-mill stomach bug. They diagnosed him with... Uh, likely food poisoning, sent him home, told him to rest. He felt better, a little bit better in a few days until his symptoms recurred. And they recurred with a vengeance. On the night of February 17th, Todd went to bed, and it was clear he wasn't well. He sat down on the bed. He said his heart was fluttering. It felt, it felt different. Something wasn't right. And I asked him if he wanted to go to the hospital. He said, no. He said, I'll be okay. According to Cindy, she awoke a short time later to find Todd staggering to the bathroom, where he soon keeled over. I didn't know what to do. I looked for a phone. Minutes later, paramedics arrived and rushed Todd to a nearby hospital. He died a short time later. I didn't know why. I didn't know how. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't know what what to do. I, I never 
There's nothing that can prepare you for that. Even doctors were at a loss. As a Marine, his health was regularly monitored. His last physical showed a young man in perfect health. So why was his body in the morgue? The official cause of death was acute cardiac arrhythmia, not unknown for a man in his early 20s, but not exactly common either. I didn't know what a cardiac arrhythmia was. I didn't know that perfectly healthy people sometimes just die. Cindy Summer found herself a suddenly widowed mother of four young children. It was hard to imagine things getting worse until they did. They had arrested me in, at my work and told me that I was arrested for homicide, for killing Todd. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Cindy Summers' life and the lives of her four young children were turned upside down by the sudden and the shockingly unexpected death of her husband, 23-year-old Marine Todd Summer. When Todd had passed, I, my whole world ended. Everything that I knew, everything that I lived, every, everything that I breathed and woke up to every day was, was going to be gone. Everything had changed in literally a heartbeat. A grieving Cindy got a death payment of $250,000, standard operating procedure for the military, and she attempted to move on with her life. Our family was just shattered, and I had to suck it up. I had to just... I had to, I had to go on for the kids. I had, I had to still make breakfast and lunch and dinner. They still had to go to school. We had to still try to maintain... And it took everything that I had to do that. And I, to be brutally honest, I failed. Two months after Todd's death, Cindy got breast augmentation surgery, something she claimed she and Todd had planned before his death. It cost $6,000. The cost, to say nothing of the timing, raised questions. Before Todd died, the Summer family was practically broke. They were living paycheck to paycheck. A lot of folks are. A lot of folks were then. A lot of folks in the military are and were. Military bases are essentially very small towns. Everyone ends up knowing everyone else's business. And Cindy made some decisions that got a lot of tongues wagging. They found that she was engaging in a lot of partying, uh, that she was uh, going out with friends, hanging out with other Marines that she had known through her husband. And um, this didn't fit it, their, their mold of how she should have been behaving at that time. 
It turned out that on the night of Todd's funeral, Cindy and some fellow military wives went to a local strip club. Over the course of the next few weeks, she had brief sexual encounters with three of Todd's Marine buddies. She's in tears and shared a bottle of wine. One bottle turns into two, and then, and then before you know it, they're kissing her, and they're on the couch, and they're having relations, and they end up having sex together. Now, that doesn't fit what the novelist would call the standard way of grieving. I completely agree. I don't know how to explain that other than there was a- anything that I could do to make me forget what was happening in my life was enticing for me. Cindy's behavior drew the attention of investigators from the Naval Criminal Investigative Service, or NCIS, who now took a closer look at Cindy's life before and after Todd's death. They found she pushed to get Todd's death payout as quickly as possible. I was going from having my rent paid in a huge four-bedroom house and not paying any utilities to now I have four kids on an income of a part-time subway worker. I, 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 I did think about money. I did think about how I was going to raise my kids. That seemed reasonable, but to investigators, the push for the money, using some of it to pay for breast augmentation and the sexual liaison soon after Todd's death added up to a potential motive for murder. The first thing that you always do when you're uh, a cop doing an investigation, you look at money, you look at sex. Uh, those are kind of the two areas of, that you always start with to take a look at the motive. But if Cindy killed her husband, how did she do it? Todd was cremated shortly after his death. As part of standard protocol in such an unusual case, tissue samples from his body were saved and stored. The pathologist took multiple samples of tissues in the body, just in case it needed to be evaluated at some later time. These precautions were taken even after an autopsy determined that Todd died of natural causes. Apparently, the determination that he died of natural causes just didn't sit right with some of the investigators. They, they just felt that there was more to the story. To investigators, these tissues were a potential smoking gun just waiting to be tested. NCIS investigators were convinced Todd Summer had been poisoned to death by his wife, Cindy. Toxicology tests on tissue saved after Todd's autopsy turned up extraordinarily high concentrations in tissues from his liver and kidneys of arsenic, a powerful poison. Arsenic is tasteless, it's colorless, it doesn't have an odor, and somebody could easily put it into somebody's food or drink unbeknownst to them. Nearly four years after Todd's death, Cindy Summer was arrested and charged with using a massive dose of arsenic to kill him. And I had no idea what they were talking about or why or how or anything. I, I, had, I didn't have a clue. I didn't know what arsenic even was. And I didn't, I wouldn't know how to get it. 
it was a mess. Nothing made sense at all to me. Prosecutors contended that Cindy acted alone. No one else was implicated in the crime. At Cindy's trial in January of 2007, the jury heard a lot about her behavior in the immediate aftermath of her husband's death. From the outside, right, drinking, having sex with uh, different men, looks like this person is celebrating. In reality, they might very well be just desperately trying to feel something other than the grief that, that they're experiencing. I honestly don't see what it has to do with this case at all. It's just her behavior during her, her way of grieving. It seems irrelevant to me in terms of a murder trial. Even worse, Cindy's original defense team came up with a novel and deeply flawed strategy. They chose not to challenge the science that, according to prosecutors, proved Cindy poisoned her husband. The defense attorney did not contest the actual finding of the cause of death by arsenic anywhere near as much as he should have. He simply jumped over the fact that scientific evidence showing Todd died from arsenic was enormously faulty, went straight to the fact that Cindy's a good person, loved her husband, never would have done this type of thing. And by the way, where can you point to the fact that she had any link to arsenic? So that concession, in a tactical way, was a monster blunder. Cindy, convinced no jury would ever convict her if they heard her story, testified in her own defense. It didn't go well. She'd been in jail since her arrest. As she prepared for her testimony, her fellow prisoners tried to make sure she'd make a good impression on the jury. The other women helped her put mascara on. You're not allowed to have mascara when you're in jail. They took shoe polish and other types of crayon and used that as a mascara. By the time Cindy had finished testifying, her tears had dripped this down. So it was, it was kind of, she looked she looked really bad, I thought. She looked, it, it just was a, a bad look, not a sympathetic look. The jury didn't buy Cindy's testimony or her defense. With the jury in the above entitled cause, find the defendant, Cynthia A. Summer, guilty of the crime of murder of Todd Summer, a human being in violation of Penal Code Section 187A. I don't feel like the jury even looked at the science of my case. They looked at my behavior and all of these other circumstantial things that the prosecution said that I did and didn't look at anything having to do with the science. Cindy wasn't the only person who thought they witnessed a miscarriage of justice. My girlfriend was watching a news program about this case and said, you have to get involved. You can't let that woman be convicted. There's lots of folks who have sadly died from conditions where they seem completely healthy without any preceding symptom of any kind, and then they die. Now I'm looking at life in prison. Is it going to take me 20 years to fight to get out? What, what do we do? Where do we go? Do I appeal? Like, how, what, what, what do we do? What mistakes did independent observers see in the trial? For one, Todd Summer was sick for 10 days before he died. The amounts of arsenic that were found in Todd Summer's liver and kidney would have required him to ingest such a large amount of arsenic that he would have been dead in a matter of hours. He would 
not have lived 10 days. Also, arsenic attacks the entire body. It didn't make sense that lethal concentrations were found in just some of Todd's tissue samples. If you have an acute dose of arsenic inside of you, you would expect to see it in the blood. And there was nothing in the blood. And it causes cell leakage. It just tears you up inside. So you would expect to see that damage done on autopsy. And Todd Summer didn't have any of that. As for Cindy's questionable behavior in the wake of her husband's death, experts on grieving say it's not all that unusual. We look at the ways people get through situations, and we found that, that, that there are some things that people have traditionally thought as, as bad, maladaptive, unhealthy coping. There is no right way to get through the pain we have, and if we do find something that works in that moment, it has done its job. It's ugly, but it works. I do believe that sexism played a huge role in this. Part of the motivation was that she wasn't mourning the way a woman should mourn, right? That she was um, she was not doing the things that we expect a woman to do when her husband dies. Legal experts said there were legitimate questions about Cindy's conviction, but even they had to admit it's a lot easier to put someone behind bars than it is to get them out once they're there. By 2007, Todd Summer had been dead for nearly five years, and his wife Cindy had spent more than a year in jail for his murder. It was all so surreal, the whole thing. I just... It was was crazy. It, It was unfathomable that this could be happening. As they prepared for a possible retrial, Cindy's new defense team found documents indicating that one set of Todd's tissues was in storage and was apparently suitable for testing. But when the prosecution was asked to bring this evidence forward, they said they couldn't find it. This was enough, in itself, for Cindy's conviction to be thrown out. The failure to preserve these tissues was the mistake of the police, NCIS, or the prosecution. Then Cindy could be found not guilty. A search was on for the remaining set of Todd's tissues, and it was found at the hospital where Todd was autopsied. They're found exactly where the tissues had been left five years before, and it's almost as if the caretaker of those was was basically saying, you know, I was wondering when you guys were going to get around to asking for these things. Where have you been? Did prosecutors know this evidence still existed? No one knows for sure. Todd's tissues were tested for arsenic, and in direct contradiction of the evidence that put Cindy Summer in jail came back negative. He had not been poisoned. How did this happen? The answer was alarmingly simple. The lab that did the testing, a military lab, didn't normally test samples from human beings. This was a lab that typically did soil samples and things like that. It wasn't something that was really set up to to examine tissue, human tissue samples. Because in small amounts, Arsenic is ever-present in the environment. This lab did test regularly for arsenic in non-human samples. Arsenic is 
an element. It's in soil, it's in groundwater, it's even in some of the foods that we eat. And now investigators on both sides of the case had an explanation for why only Todd's liver and kidney samples, instead of all his samples, tested positive for arsenic. They'd been stored next to non-human samples that likely did contain arsenic. Once a sample is contaminated, you can't take it away. Contamination does happen. It shouldn't happen, but it does. It was not an arsenic death. There was some sort of contamination in the lab. Without that mistake, we wouldn't be here talking about this case. The mystery was solved. The original autopsy was right. Todd Summer died from a previously undiagnosed heart condition. Two weeks before Cindy's second trial was set to start, a corrections officer came to her prison cell. And he goes, you should probably go call your mom. So I turned the phone on and I called my mom and she answered the phone and I just, I just remember saying, mom, jeez. I said, is it true that I'm getting out? And she said, yes that they dropped the charges. The case was dismissed because we, after consulting with experts, uh, we concluded that there was uh, reasonable doubt and therefore the uh, case was dismissed. Would you expand on that? Tell us what the reasonable doubt was. Well, the lab okay. First, um, today uh, justice was done. This is how the system is supposed to work. I don't know how you can say that the system works or that justice was served when I spent 876 days in jail for something that, um, first of all, I didn't do, and second, wasn't even a homicide. The case shows the value of science, not only in putting the guilty behind bars, but in freeing the innocent. It's an object lesson in the power of forensics for noble and sometimes not so noble purposes. Justice was done in this case but not because of the prosecution, but despite it. The forensic evidence in this case was enormously important. The evidence in this case was sound. It was solid. I know this is the most ridiculous thing to say, but I'm grateful for my time in jail. I think it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about life. I don't think I'd be the person that I am today had I not gone through all of those things. <laughs> 